Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello. Talk to me. I made it. Good, my friend. How are you? Oh, man. I'm, I'm doing it. Living the dream. Congratulations are in order, I hear. Or I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill us in. Well, we had a baby. It was every bit as fun as you would imagine. <laughs> oh boy. Yep. Everyone yep. doing well. Mom doing well. Yeah. Doing well. Okay. Yeah, mama's doing good. Baby's doing good. Uh they're you know, uh, he's got he's got two older sisters, you know, that are pulling him apart to play with him. So, you know, as long as they don't start cutting him up to see what's inside. Well, yeah, I'm at this point thoroughly convinced it would have been easier if uh, if we just had twins. So. So the older ones wouldn't have to share. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but I can see that. So it's yeah, been a couple been, of weeks. How how did you make it through all of that? Oh man, it's been I don't know. I'm just still kind of processing my life, you know. It's it's all the it's like it's different, it's all the same, you know. All that kind of stuff. It's been just from a logistical standpoint, it's been crazy. Like all the stuff we've had going on with the house, you know, like replacing sewers and refrigerators. And, uh, we got home, we got home from the hospital. Uh, the, the, the day we got home, our air conditioner broke. And so, uh, to get somebody out, like luckily somebody came out the next day and, uh, helped it out a little bit so we're not dying but that's good how was covid did covid change were you able to go in uh with your wife when she had the baby yeah i went in but uh we didn't have it was one visitor per person so that was me so that that part of it was a little different than we had planned on you know we wanted to have the girls there and um, it, you know, all of that stuff. We'd, we'd actually plan to do it at home and it didn't, didn't work out that way. I mean, it worked out great. You know, everything was. So you was, planned on birthing at home? Yeah. Really? Yeah. With your wife being a nurse and she wanted to birth at home, that surprises me. That should tell you something. Yeah, it should, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's, I, I mean, you know, at, at this, this is the, this is the third kid, you know, and we've made, you know, you've made a, we've made a plan every time, every time, and every time it's been different, you know, which, you know, on the one hand, I'm not saying you shouldn't make a plan, you probably should, but I mean, it just kind of shows you, you know, if you, you get too stuck to that plan and you can, you know, you can get real uncomfortable real fast. True. I think that's the, one of the greatest gifts is learning to be, be a little flexible in everything. Yeah. She had, I mean, she had a few like complications, you know, nothing, nothing major, but just stuff that would, make her slightly higher risk for a, for an ideal home birth. Um, and, and so at the, not the last minute, but the second to last minute, uh, decided to, uh, you know, transfer care. And, uh, I mean, it worked out good. It really did. It was, it was the, where we went was good. They were good to her. Everything was, uh, as good as it could be under, under the circumstances. So. Did you birth in Rome? Yeah, it was in Cartersville. In Cartersville, okay. Yeah. That surprised uh, me even more. 
<laughs> they're actually, you know, uh, is uh, I I didn't we didn't know this when we went in, but uh, I read an article um, a few days after we got out of the hospital saying that their their maternity uh, division or whatever is like one of the top ones in the state. It's good to know. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. I'm going to be a grandfather in November. So are you? Yeah. We haven't talked about, have we not, have we not talked about that? I don't think so, man. That's, that's big news. Yeah. My, uh, my son's fiance. All right. Pregnant. So we'll see. Are you feeling it? Are you feeling? Are you feeling like a grandpa? <laughs> no, I don't want to feel like a grandpa. I don't feel that old, man. I know I'm fifty-four. I'll be fifty-five, okay, in uh, November. Yeah, but I do not feel fifty-five. The only time I even think fifty-five is when I see people that are my age that I knew as younger. Well, I'm almost 40 and I most definitely feel 55. <laughs> I, I ran across some of my friends from high school and they were at a ball game or something. And I said, what happened to y'all? <laughs> <laughs> well, surely I don't look that old, you know, <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's, you know, that's part of this. We, we don't see ourselves as we are, you know, we see ourselves as we think we are. Yeah. There's good and bad to that, I guess. Yeah. So, what else? Uh, you haven't having the grandkid. What else have I missed? I feel like I've been out of the loop. Well, nothing here. Um, nothing on the personal side. I've been riding more. Uh, we changed the format of our nightly AA meeting. We're starting to do a open discussion. We were reading literature. Now we're uh, just doing an open discussion, uh, so we can be a little more relevant to the newcomer um, because. We feel that uh, meetings are, this is the worst time for meetings because at first in COVID, all of the local groups were having a, a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of those Zoom meetings have shut down, but yet the clubhouses are not all open or we're not comfortable going to a meeting. So you've got that gap. So we make sure and... Uh, we re- revamped our nightly 9 p.m. Eastern meeting, and I'll put a link in the in the show notes for that. It's zoomaameetings.com. Make sure and log into a, a free Zoom account to access that. Uh, that's our authentication is a Zoom account. So we've done that. Uh, were you at the meeting that Sensei came to, the Thursday meeting? Yeah. I, I, He'll I be did. back a week from tomorrow. So the first Thursday of the month. So if you've got any questions for him on the first chapter, we're going to do the first chapter this month. Next month, we'll do the second chapter, third, fourth, so forth and so on. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, What do you mean? Just send it to you or come up with something. Yeah. If you got a, if you got a question or two, just send it or post it in the, post it in the Facebook. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got that too. Anyone that would like to join that it's the Dow of our understanding. Search that in a, as a private Facebook group, and we use the same logo we have for the uh, podcast. So you should be able to spot it. Um, did and then join. Ask to join. Yeah, you know, if you want to talk more about this. And then I think we'll post this uh, video in the, in there, too, if you don't have any objection. So, but, uh, uh, okay. So we'll do that, too. And uh, just, you know, make it a little more of a community. I found I didn't have anywhere to post things that were recovery related to the Dow. I didn't have anywhere I was comfortable posting things. I thought, Hmm, maybe, maybe it's time for a Dow Facebook group. Craig had been wanting me to do it for a while. Well, since uh, we left the SRC, he wanted me to do a Facebook group. And I said, well, I don't know if I'm cool with all that, but uh, we are. So that's good. Um, think what else? Uh, I've been hitting my Zen meeting on Monday nights. We're into a new book. Um, the Heart of Being, Moral and Ethical Teachings of Zen Buddhism. Uh, John, they all have a Japanese name. I, I still don't get why that's important. But 
That's you know the Rob Dado Lori Dad. I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. I'm sure. Forward by Hakuyu Tazan Mozumi. I think he's really Japanese. So sounds like it. Yeah, but they all have a Japanese name. It, it's okay. Uh, I'm learning a little. I, I I think I'm taking that. I'm going to go through this book and see if I enjoy it. They still have this hard on if you mention anything of a higher power they're just like absolutely not but yet every book i have read i mean there's a buddha nature there's a a flow of life there's all of this that most of these teachers talk about in the books but they seem to interpret that a different way <laughs> so i don't know i'm i'm kind of reserved to just see what you know I guess I'd be curious how they interpreted it, you know? Well, they kind of skip over some of that stuff. They, they'll <laughs> read it and then they'll. That's one way to like do it. Like church. Yeah. Like church. They skip over things that they don't like or don't agree with, you know? Or like when we go surf the internet, we, we don't look for things to, to challenge our opinion. We look until we find things that agree with us. Sure. Or that's what I do, you know? <laughs> I know this has got to be right. I got to find something saying it. And if I look long enough, I can find something that says anything I think is right. You know? Yeah, that's, that's the truth. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like at a certain point, like, I mean, you're just the whole higher power thing. I mean, you're really just, it's really just a struggle to figure out a way to talk about anything. You know what I mean? And so like at a certain point, it's just, kind of comes down to semantics you know it's almost like like you're saying the same thing only i'm using the phrase higher power and you're using the phrase infinite void or something you know nature. yeah exactly because what i think it may be is the higher power is our collective body you know all of us together this source is us just like the kingdom of God is within you, you know, yeah. already that Jesus said uh, that uh, it was not uh, blasphemy. He was accused of blasphemy. Then he quoted where they said, is it not wrong to say you're gods? You know, you've heard that quoted out of uh, the New Testament and it's always lowercase g, but mm-hmm. that word is the same word as Elohim, same word that in, in the first chapter of John, where it says the word was with God and was God. That word for God is the same word as ye are gods. Yeah. So it's, it's saying we are all God. We're all a drop out of this ocean of love. So I think that when we can think about it that way and just lower our, our divisive offensiveness, and defensiveness of our our idea and it just because i say it a way that's a little different or you say it a way that's a little different doesn't mean it's wrong it's just our way it's not it's like, like the blind all the blindfolded people looking at the figuring out what the elephant is you know <laughs> one's on the side and says it's uh it's a garden hose on the trunk another one thinks it's a wall you know and you can yeah. go on and on and on you know i saw that yeah same kind of thing everybody's own limited perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I saw something interesting in our reading this week for the, in the book. I'll get your take on this. Okay. One thing I really don't like about, is this the book you're just telling me about? Yeah. The Zen book. Okay. It says that one of the central observations Buddha made about the breakdown of the social fabric is that poverty is the chief cause of immorality and crime. Theft, violence, hatred, cruelty, all result from poverty. And I was looking at that and I thought, hmm, I would have thought the chief cause of immorality and crime would be a lack of Buddha nature. You know, a lack of inward change. Because they went off on, they went all the liberal thing about, you know, trashing conservatism and trashing Trump and 
that we got to provide for people and that if we did, you know, it would it would help with crime and all these other things. I'm thinking, yeah, we need to provide, but isn't it the nature that has to change? Um, I mean, I've known if if you just provide for someone and there's no inner inner change, the immorality's still there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just kind of struck me. I was, and they all bought into that. And I was like, Hmm, that doesn't seem right to me, especially when the, you know, the four, what the four noble truths that you're supposed to loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, empathy, and equanimity, you know, which is composure and evenness of temper all are inward things. And you're saying that the thing that you need to do is feed people will change them. No, feeding people changes you. It doesn't change them. When I provide for other people, I'm cared for. I don't know, man. This is, I kept my mouth shut, you know, because I said, God, I don't know if that'll go over here. You know, there'll be, well, it's, it's a good question. I really, I like your question. I do. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I'm not even sure at this point I feel confident enough to have like a real opinion, but I do, I do like the question though, because it really digs into this whole, you know, like where's the line between me and you? And uh, we could relate that back to recovery. If somebody's ha- has a drinking problem, mm-hmm. us, providing finances for them, making it easy for them. None of those things help them. If they don't have a moment of clarity, a a surrender moment, what I have would not work for them because that's my experience. So if you just took it back to recovery, I have to share what got me here. And then if they, if that resonates with them, so be it. But, you know, providing for their physical needs isn't going to make a spiritual change, I guess is my whole point. Right. But what do you tell them to do? Go help somebody else. Yes. Go provide for somebody else's physical needs. That's exactly it. That's why I said helping someone who's impoverished helps you. It doesn't help them, even yeah. though they're the ones that benefit from it. But maybe you're the one that needs the help. That's exactly it. So what they, they don't start improving until they start helping someone. Yeah. In this, in, if, if you use this tool to come out of poverty, you know, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, so I, I was kind of taken back because, you know, while I was reading, I said, oh, they're going to say this or they're going to say that, you know, when we get to that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They didn't they're over here in the physical stuff. They're in the meat and drink. They're not in the righteousness, peace, and joy. If you looked at a, if you you know looked at a Romans fourteen seventeen kind of analogy of that, the kingdom of God being meat and drink, not being meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. I said they're over here in the meat and drink. They're in the physical stuff. Like the, you do something physical is going to change this person. You know, I, I've had, I've had rental property for twenty. Gosh, almost 30 years now. I'm I'm ashamed. Well, yeah, almost 30 years. I have tried everything from owner financing to lease purchase to even giving people a mortgage with owner financing on a piece of property with a low interest rate, low payment. And I end up foreclosing on all of them because they, they just did not have the ability to to manage their money so that uh, so that they could uh, make the payment. So I kind of got aggravated and I realized that unless there were some basic changes that just because someone uh, doesn't seem to have had the opportunity, just having the opportunity does not, is not what they need. They need a lot more than just the opportunity. They need all the things behind it that allow them to be able to do that. And I've had, I've been around and I've had times when my finances have been very low, but I didn't resort to stealing. 
And I've known people who had nothing that still wouldn't steal. And I've known people who had a lot that would steal. So the fact that they were immoral had nothing to do with their financial, you know, situation. Now, I've not known people who were starving. I don't, I've never been around them. So that doesn't apply to me or my situation or probably most of us in the United States, you know? Yeah, well, and to be honest, I mean, I really, I really haven't either um and, and so and for mostly for that reason i'm not comfortable you know like making a judgment saying well this is the way it is or you know this yeah. is not the way it is okay. i'm just talking about um, this is yeah supposed to be from our experience so we're supposed to apply this to our experience and i can't apply that to my experience uh and that doesn't line up with anything else that i've learned spiritually that I can do something physical that's going to cause a moral change. I don't. Well, so there's, I, oh man. I know we're getting way off in I the mean, weeds here. But. No, it's not. It's not really at all. It's, it's, I think, I think it's good stuff. Um, I mean, it's really kind of, if you think about it, I mean, this, these are the kind of questions that are really kind of the nitty gritty rubber meets the road, you know, like, what am I going to do in my life kind of stuff, I think. But, man, it's been – I probably need to go read the Bible again. It's been so long since I've read it. But What are you thinking verse-wise? Maybe something I'm familiar with or can find something right quick. Uh, I don't – there was – I couldn't even – I couldn't even call it. It's There was a story that was similar to that, though. I feel like the, where Jesus was, uh, you know um, – well, I don't know if this is the one I'm thinking of, but it's close enough um, where, um, okay, Jesus, you remember Jesus and the blind man, right? Right. And, and uh, Jesus was going to heal him. And the Pharisees brought this uh, blind man to the to Jesus and they were like, hey, what did he do wrong? You know, that he has this physical ailment. And uh, Jesus was like, he didn't do anything wrong. He he was just blind. Sometimes it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know the story. I know the story you're talking. And about. Uh, and, and so he proceeds to to uh, you know uh, to heal the guy's blindness. You know, and the Pharisees are like, well, you know, the reason he's blind is it's a, the, his blind his physical blindness is a moral condition, and. Uh, and Jesus was like, no, that's completely off base. His, his physical blindness is a physical condition, and I'm going to take care of his physical condition so he can do whatever he needs to do, I guess. I mean, all the things that you can do when you're not blind. That's John 9, 1 through 12. And I don't want to misquote it, so I'm going to look it up right quick. I think it was his... Disciples asked him, who sinned, his father or his parents, that he yeah. was born blind? So so who's at fault here? Yeah. And let me get the question right. I'm going to look it up because I want to say it right because it's really good. Uh, Jesus said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause and effect here. This is from the message version. Yeah. Look instead for what? God can do. So you're asking the wrong question. You want to blame someone. Instead, uh, look for what God can do. Or another translation was how can see how how can God be glorified? Uh, we need to energetically, we need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That but uh you're asking the wrong question. The real question is, how can God be glorified in this? Right. So, um, yeah, that goes back to that idea that with the poverty, my solution is not out here ever. My solution is inside. It's mm -hmm. not in my external. Because if I get the internal fixed and working correctly, the external takes care of itself. But then the trick is... And this is the really hard part the, 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 is 
how do you say that to somebody else? Like what, what, what moral or ethical or spiritual grounds do I have to stand on to walk up to, I don't some homeless person and be like, you've got to get this, this and this together to turn the, you know, and I, I don't, I, you don't I, do I can't that. get there. You don't do it. You, well, I think my part in that is for me to be open if it's someone that I need to help. Right. Well, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Just like trying to figure out this question of, of like, you know, the poverty situation, like it's, it's easy for me to want to look at somebody else and say, the reason you're where you are is because of you. It's because of your own decisions. Right. And, right. Um, and, but that's, uh, that's not what I'm saying though. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is I thought that in our in this book uh, that we're studying that it was going to teach us uh, Buddhist principles and how they apply. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying that person's immoral because they don't have food to eat. And these are all people in the U.S. I mean, these are not, you know, I mean, it's it's all. Hey, this, that's you know, what they're saying. I'm sorry. You may read it to me again. Maybe I maybe I'm not understanding. Uh, let me get it back open here. Uh one of the central observations Buddha made about the breakdown of the social fabric is that poverty is the chief cause of immorality and crime. Theft, violence, hatred, cruelty all result from poverty. And so the takeoff from that was that we've got to go, uh, you know, we, we, our government, is should be providing and we should have no one in poverty then we would not have theft violence hatred cruelty i'm like what does it say the government i mean i'm not opposed well, that's to what they read it that was the conversation afterward mm-hmm. you know and i'm like first of all this is this guy's interpretation of buddha buddha didn't say this mm-hmm. i mean i even challenged the fact that this guy's correct which I didn't do in front of them because they may, I don't know how they, if they try to crucify me or not. So I didn't say a word of anything like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then secondly, I'm like, no, a physical thing cannot be the cause of a spiritual issue. Uh, It's not possible. I I don't know. I think it's a good question. I really do. It's, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not going to. I just wanted your take on it because I wanted to make yeah. sure I wasn't thinking wrong. You know, that I was so far off in the, if I was looking for something to disagree about, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can meditate on that. I don't know, but, um, but I do, I do think it's a, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I do really appreciate your asking the question though, because I do think it's something that a lot of people, grapple with in one way or another i mean i'm supposed to help people i know that and i'm supposed what i try to do is open my heart and say what is the most beneficial thing i can do for this person do they need money okay i'll give them money or do i need to take them to the homeless shelter okay i'll take them to the i've had people come up wanting money from me at the gas pumps and i'd say well instead of that i know a shelter where i can get you a no i don't want that Okay, yeah. you know, be on your way, you know. <laughs> and then I've had times, like I remember I was doing a cross-country trip, one of my iron butt deals where I was going coast to coast in less than 100 hours. Yeah. And, and I was stopping every, well, I didn't have a, a, a extra tank then, so I was stopping every 250 to 300 miles, to, about every 250 miles to fill up. And, and so I was across the country stopping, you know, very often. And I, and I was on my way back and I said, you know, God, I said, you haven't put anyone in my path for me to help in this trip. And I'd already been all the way out West and I'd been three days, you know, and nobody had asked me for anything. I'm like, put somebody in my path. I can help. I'd like to help somebody. I literally, this literally happened this way. I said, I want to help somebody. Give me somebody. Literally the next time I stopped to fill up, God is my witness. I pulled up to fill up and a lady pulled up beside me 
And she said, you know, she said, I just got groceries and I left without any cash and I have no way to pay for this gas. Can you help me? And I said, I sure can. And I put her some gas in her car. Yeah. And that was the very next time I stopped. I think that's, that's the kind of giving I wanted to give. God put yeah. a situation or a universe, ever how you want to put it, to where I'd, I'd have the opportunity. So I did it. Yeah. Um, and I think I am free of poverty thinking and poverty physically by being, by being willing to give. Because my giving is that idea of when I'm full of care, I'm cared for. Not only for spiritual stuff, but for physical stuff too. I think that's applying, practicing the principles in all your affairs, if you want to talk about it in those kind of terms. But I think it's that kind of a thing is that, you know, we learn to give and in giving we have. Uh, so for for someone that's physically in poverty or one thing was mentioned in the meeting that that may have been talking about spiritual poverty too, which, oh yeah, that, that was a good analogy of that, that it's, you know, that, that we've got to help people spiritual poverty as well. Okay. I can buy into that for sure. But, you know, us having a, a better socialized uh, payment system in our government is not going to help immorality. <laughs> That's that in my, in my experience, you know, yeah. Because I, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money that aren't moral. <laughs> it has nothing to do with it, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I have a, I had a partner one time on a business deal that used to be a, a member of uh, one of the bike club, one of the, and he got out, but he spent some time in prison uh, years ago. And he got in a situation financially and he shifted back to that. Uh, uh, I've got to take care of myself that, you know, that I just screw everybody over and it's just me. I've got to, if I don't take care of me, no one will. He, his mentality switched back to that. Uh, uh, I would assume a, a maybe a, 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 a prison mentality or some, something where he had to take care of himself and he just would run over anyone that got in his way until mm-hmm. he felt secure again. Then he went back to being like an average person. So, um, you know, that doesn't change because you have, it's like fear. You know, if I'm, if I'm afraid, I I remember financially, I was afraid I couldn't pay my bills. And then once I had some money in the bank, I was afraid I was going to lose the money I had. So I was taking action to, to protect it. That was fearful. The fear was still there. It just, it didn't leave. So the, the immorality issue or any kind of morality issues if we don't have a change of heart, it's not going to change. Well, that's been my experience. Even, even with someone, you know, if you're talking about recovery, same kind of thing, you know, there's got to be an inward change. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't disagree at all. This is what I think is interesting though, about like the, the poverty observation, you know what I mean? Because if you count, if you count it as a root cause of something, you, you know, the, then, um, like what, what that question does to like me personally is, is not like, okay, what, what it kind of, it, it has this interesting effect where like, you know, at the end of the day, when I lay down and go to sleep, Am I saying, you know, and I look at like, say somebody, and I've had this happen before, you know, uh, in, in both directions, I've had people come and ask me for money, uh, usually while I'm at work. And, um, I've had, you know, I've had people, you know, that have asked me for a dollar and I told them to go away and I've had people ask me for more money than that. And I gave it to them. And, and, um, but then you know, at the end of the day, you like ask yourself things like, well, did I, you know, did I do the right thing or whatever in that, in that situation? And you, there, there's all kinds of like, you know, like mental processes and hoops you'll jump through to let yourself be comfortable with your decision. You know what I mean? Whatever it was, you know, 
I, I'm not I'm not trying to pass judgment on anybody for what they do in these situations, you know, or how they deal with other people, but just you know, in my own experience, and so like if it's you know if if the if poverty is a cause of somebody else's immorality, then that puts me in a position of having to do something about it. You know what I mean? Because that's something I can deal with. You know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to erase poverty by myself or anything, but I mean, I can deal with it. I can address it. It's not a bad, it's not a bad thing to erase poverty by no means, but, the question is not whether we should help. The question is if everyone in the world was had their basic needs met, would there still be immorality? See, yeah, you know, that's the question. And for you and me, okay, if your family was starving, would you go steal to provide for them? I don't think so. I mean, I, I know you. I'm not going to lie. I might. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would have a difficult time thinking I would. Um, I really do. I'd have a difficult time thinking I would steal from someone else to have for me. I really think I would have a difficult. Now, I've never been in that position. I have had to borrow money. I've had to ask friends to borrow money when I had a business fail that I, I was out of money and everything I needed was always there. You know, when, granted it wasn't there in the form I always wanted, but it was available. Um, so I, I just think that if we, the basic question was not whether we, for me, it wasn't whether we should help or not, or is poverty something we should do away with all that question. No, the question is, are there outside influences that are going to change me within? Right. Well, so a couple of things. It's interesting. I'm not sure if I'm, if I'm clearly saying what I'm thinking about, but um, so in, in my head right now, it's kind of all coming back to this idea of like, you know, you're, your analogy about the, you know, the guy following you too close behind in traffic, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure I'm following myself really closely right now. It's kind of all coming back to this line between, you know, where's this line between me and you? And if there's anything that I've learned in recovery, it's that I'm not above any of these people. You know what I mean? Right. There, there was, there was most certainly a point in my life where I I looked at people that, you know, not just that, that drank poorly, but that drank at all. And, uh, and, and looked, you know, looked at somebody that, that picked, picked up a bottle of alcohol as, as innately bad, you know what I mean? And I was, and I took comfort and the fact that I was not like them, you, you know, that I, I was somehow uh, set apart and separate and, and better, you know, for, for a plain word. And, uh, and uh, so to, to bring that, which is, you know, through, uh, and anyway, so through life experience, I learned that not to be the case, but, um, um, so to tie this about to, to the poverty situation is not, I, I guess what I'm not, I'm not talking about dealing with poverty or not dealing with poverty. If it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, I'm thinking it's the, the question of like, how, how does it relate to me? You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess w- w- what I'm thinking, like at the end, it, at the end of the day, when I lay down and go to sleep, if I believe that the issue that somebody else's problems are of a completely 
spiritual nature. There's something intangible that they have to do that I can't help with. Then, uh, then that alleviates me of my responsibility to help. At the it end, could, of- if your goal, if you thought, if your only goal was to, um, but for me, I can only speak from my experience. The more I realize that I can't change someone. The, the more I, I think the thing that makes a difference there, Zach, is I used to think we were different. Mm-hmm. They've got to do what they need to like I did. OK, like that whole responsibility deal from way before recovery. You know, you know, they, they've got to change what they're doing and, um, you know, they've got to take personal responsibility and, you know, all of that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I see compassion. I have compassion for them. And instead of me reminding myself how divided I think we are, instead, I usually I try to open my heart to the person and say, God, is this a person I need to help? How do I need to help them? What can I do for this person? And when I open my heart up, a lot of times I do nothing. I think there's nothing here for me to do. And then if I feel drawn, I'll do whatever I feel like that I need to. But for me, it starts with me opening my heart to that person. And it doesn't happen that much on that level. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we were, this was just something that came up in, the, in our book club. And I, I was waiting on someone to bring that up because I said, that does not sound like, Buddha nature to me to think that an outside, you know, an outside influence is going to change you spiritually when it's really all about surrender. And, uh, well, that's why it's loving kindness is first because you're giving away kindness. You're opening your heart to people, you know, and in that, in turn, you start having compassion. You start changing. Yeah. yeah. It's right there in the precepts, you know, and I'm like, Hmm. I said, I can't mention this because they already, you know, I said, they already, I said, I, I, they're going to, I said, they're not going to accept that. So I kind of, I didn't say maybe I should have said something, Uh, but you know, we'll see. But, uh, but I thought that was interesting though, how it's automatically the, the bend toward, yeah, we've got to put out, you know, I'm like, yeah, we need to do those. You know, we need to, to work to be compassionate and help people every way we can. But is that really going to change them morally? You know, it's like you come into AA, the old saying about the horse thief, you know, horse thief starts coming to AA, the whole old story about the thief, you know, I don't know. He gets sober, he's still a thief, you know, now he's just a sober thief, you know, <laughs> and, and now, but now once he starts working the program, you know, then his heart starts changing and he's, then he finds himself being honest when he used to not be. So and that didn't come from um, that. That came from a change of heart, a, a surrender. It did not come from some kind of physical, you know, outward uh, benefit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, and again, so this is, this is what's interesting about the, uh, the question to me is, Oh, go ahead. You can continue. I got to, I was going to get a book because I had another quote to use. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Um, even I guess it's not unlike, you know, the beginning of the conversation. You're talking about the higher power, you know, and some of it coming down to semantics. I don't I don't know that, you know, you and they and we, I, I don't know that we're actually saying different, different things. But I, I do think it's interesting, like, even the context of like the framework of this conversation we're having right now is like the horse thief, for instance, it's us looking at the horse thief as somebody else. Yeah, exactly. But right now, like you're not like, like the story isn't, I was a horse thief. It was, there was a horse thief and that horse thief was somebody different than me. And uh, I don't know. It makes me, think of it's been a while since I've looked at this stuff 
I used to be in college a long time ago. I wasn't very good at it, but anyway. Um, so one of the classes I was in, they talked about uh, this guy, Robert Maslow, and uh, he he did this thing. He had this thing called the hierarchy of needs, right? And so one of the things that he talked about, and I'm not going to get them all because there's, I don't know, like six or eight or nine of them. I can't remember. It's like this pyramid, right? And, and you have to have, so like at the bottom of the pyramid is things like, like food, clothing, shelter, warmth. Um, I got it. I pulled it up. The very bottom is food, water, warmth, rest. Okay. And so the, that pyramid goes in order. So like you cannot get, according to him, you cannot get to the next level and let, until you're, until the previous level is satisfied. So if you, if you're looking at, I don't know what's after food and clothing, safety needs, security and safety. Okay. And then belonging and love needs, intimate relationships, friends, then prestige and feeling of accomplishment, then self-actualization, achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. Yeah. And so that, that self-actualization level is the level that most people, you know, look at like the area of like spiritual development. That's where they, you know, you start to consider things like, what is my spiritual condition? You know what I mean? Man, that's upside down. Don't you think? I don't know. I'm well, my what's been your experience? My experience is that's upside down. It's it's uh I think it's a good question. It's it's a good question. And that's because, because it starts with with I mean that's the paradox of truth. The you know, in losing much is gained and in succeeding much is lost. Mm -hmm. It's the upside down of that pyramid that, that I have to have a spiritual change. I don't know. I don't know. That's uh that's interesting. That's, that's good, man. I've missed you. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> and it reminds me of a quote from, uh, let me read this. Let me how this applies. Right. This is the gospel of Thomas. Okay. The third verse. No, the second verse. Jesus said, those who seek should not stop seeking until they find. When they find, they will be disturbed. When they are disturbed, they will marvel and will rule over all. So you keep seeking until you find. And you'll know you find because... Not because it gets easy, yeah. Because it gets difficult, yeah. Because you're disturbed; it disturbs something within you. And when you're disturbed, you you wonder, and then the rule overall could be rule over all of yourself, even if you want it, and not a you know, you're increasing abundance. You know, not that kind of rule overall, but I think it's more of the the rule over ourselves. You know, could be an interpretation of that. But it's interesting how. The result of finding is disturbance. Yeah. So there's 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 work to be done. We have to surrender, in other words, or that's how I interpret that. It's a simple solution, but not easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, one more quote. Okay, this is from V.C. Kitchen's book, I Was a Pagan. Okay. He uh, wrote this in the mid-30s. He was in the uh, Oxford groups with Bill Wilson. This is page 28. This is a PDF. Uh, you can Google VC Kitchens. I was a pagan and find, download it. I also know that these ambitions, hypocrisies, and vices were not drained out when I transferred my belief in one plan or, or philosophy of life to another. Mm -hmm. They were not drained out by making New Year's resolutions, and they were not disposed of by going to psychoanalysts, 1930s, or by going to church. They were drained out by stopping the self-effort to get rid of them. 
by letting God take hold to do the job and by putting God first in life. I had put God first in theory, yet still continued to mean well and do badly. That was because I was still trying to run my own life. I had not put God first in living, but had kept my self-love uppermost and had built my scheme of things quite upside down. That's what reminded me, the upside down reminded me of this quote. When I turned things around, however, and put God at the head of the list, when I ceased struggling to pull myself up and stepped out of the way so that his light could shine down to me, when I let him show me how to use the individuality he'd given me to accomplish for myself, for humanity, and for him the things he wanted me to accomplish, then for the first time in 40 years, things of consequence begin to happen in my life. This is a real wealthy retired insurance guy in the 30s. Then things of consequence started happening. Not all the money and all of that. Things that really mattered. So he had to get out of the way and quit struggling to pull himself up and stood out of the way and let the light shine down to him. And he had to stop the self-effort. Yeah. So when I saw this, I was like, that's Wu Wei. You know, that's the that's the self-effort that we always talk about. Yeah. But uh yeah, I think I, I think our for me, you know, when I help someone, yeah, they, they benefit from the help. But the one that's really helped is me. Yeah. Just like in recovery, when I help someone who's struggling, yeah, they're helped. But the way I'm really the 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 one that's really helped in the whole equation is me. Yeah. Still, you know, so it's interesting how uh, I have to give it away to keep it, no matter what it is that we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that's upside down. Yeah, you need food and water, but I don't know. I think it starts with a spiritual change. It start, And then that starts happening for me when I help someone else with their food and water, you know, and really forget about my need and help someone with their need and then my needs taken care of. That's how it, that's how it seems to work for me. Well, I'm not sure that I, yeah, I don't disagree with the principle other than just like, I've never really been in a position that where I haven't had food and water, you know, neither. Exactly. So I, I've been, you know, I've been hungry, but I've never been starved. You know what I mean? I have needed, I have needed uh, business things to happen that, when I put my concern toward helping someone else, those things just took care of themselves. I've had some things happen that were, uh, you know, where money fell into place and things that I wasn't expecting, you know, you know, so, I mean, I've had some things happen, but, you know, I've never been in a dire situation where I was impoverished, but I do know that if I'm a thief, first thing I'm going to do is is continue to steal. That's not going to change me if I've got, you know, if I've got money in the bank, it's not going to change my behavior. Uh, I know yeah. for me personally, it wouldn't. Yeah. Well, well, for the same reason, it doesn't make me feel different when I have money. I remember the first time I had any money in the bank. And I was complaining because I couldn't keep the zero straight. I was not to go from one of those little checkbooks to the big checkbook, the big business mm-hmm. book, because I couldn't keep the zero straight. And I was complaining about it. <laughs> it wasn't a lot of money. It was like I sold a house, 30 grand, I think it was. It wasn't like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was complaining. I was like, and I realized, I was like 30. And I realized, I said, wait a minute. I feel no different. I thought if I had a little money in the bank, I'd feel different. Yeah. I have not changed at all. And that was my realization that what I was looking for was not in money. Yeah. I started seeing it then. I don't know, but I imagine it's easier to have that revelation when you've just had lunch. Yeah. But, but, you know, the thing is this, um, I just don't, I don't see for me that I ever made a change spiritually that was dependent on something physical. I don't. I don't know how much time we have. I don't want to make it too complicated, but I do. I, I I just, I really do enjoy the question because it's something that maybe enjoy is not the right word. 
this is a question that it, like I'm I'm glad you brought it up just because it's something that I do think about and, and I don't have figured out. And so I like any chance I get to try to figure it out. I like to try to figure it out. But like in the uh in the stealing example for instance, like I can I can appreciate saying okay, if you're going to if you know if you're going to steal then that is a that is a moral condition, right? But just like um it just makes me wonder like how many how many factors can we take into account? You know, like if we're looking at the big picture and and I'm just, this is a hypothetical situation, but like, for instance, we have laws against price gouging where, you know, if, if there's, if there's a hurricane and all of the, all of the bread is wiped out, and and you've got a loaf of bread, I can't sell it to you, or I got a loaf of bread, I can't sell it to you for 50 bucks. You know what I mean? Right. And so if somebody in that situation, uh, the guy with the loaf of bread, if if he sells it to a guy when he has the only loaf of bread for 50 bucks, who is the thief in that situation? Yeah. It's it's the guy that, that sold it for 50 bucks. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. And I'm, I'm just saying that a lot of these questions of, of poverty, it's so. It's, it's really, so, you, know, you can look at it as a spiritual poverty too. You know, that yeah, was absolutely. the other way that it was implied that we're talking spiritual poverty. And if you look at it strictly as spiritual poverty, yeah. And how do you help them? Um, if they have spiritual poverty, you share your experience of how well, you're no longer spiritually impoverished. I'm not exactly drawing the line saying, okay, f- this is physical, this is spiritual. I think like a lot of things that we've talked about over the years, the line is not so clear as we would like exactly. to imagine it to be. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and, that, and that's really all I'm, if I'm saying anything, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's interesting though, how, you know, something that we feel compassion about, we can say this will change people if we do this. And it really, I don't know if it does. I don't think it does. I, I see nothing in my experience that that has happened. Um, it's been actually the opposite. My outward changes based on what's going on with me spiritually. And then you get to a point to where if you're talking about physical poverty, you're not as, it's not as important how many things you have anymore or if you have X number of dollars in the bank or all those things lose their real value. Realize how vain all those things are, you know, and it is all vanity and we start seeing that, you know, um, of course it's easy for us to say when we've got all of our needs met and we're making money and we're not, you know, but this, I think the solution is the same regardless. Um, and, okay, if poverty is such a bad thing, why do all the monks take a vow of poverty? Yeah. I don't well, understand that's a, that. That's the perfect know? example because, see, here, for example, like with the, someone taking a vow of poverty, that's them – making that decision for themselves. You know what I mean? Right. And, and but that's where, an inward decision. That's an decision from inside out. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to, I don't know. It just makes me wonder, like, if I could look somebody in the eye and say, you know, that just sold, you know, stole a loaf of bread because they were hungry. I could look them in the eye and say, that that was their spiritual problem, that they were willing to steal a loaf of bread. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, but you know, I'd never do that. You know, I would, I would try to have compassion in that situation. Maybe go buy them another loaf, you know, say, Oh, wait a minute. Let me help you. You know, if you're willing to to steal bread, let me get you some more. Yeah. You know, if that's possible. 
You know, I mean, that's the kind of I, you'd, I'd want to have compassion in that situation. Not, you know, it's not a time to divide or attack. Yeah. Well, if if they're willing to steal a loaf of bread, does that mean, and and we're this, you know, if we're not separate, if we're not separate, if we're really one person, we're one, you know, unit of awareness and all of that stuff. You know, if we're if we're one, then if they're willing to steal a loaf of bread, then does that mean, on some level, I'm also willing willing to steal a loaf of bread? Uh, maybe it means that uh, what I was thinking about that, instead of going that route, I was thinking if they're in need, then how can I meet their need? How can I help them then in helping them on helping me if we're one? Mm-hmm. It's like this hand gets cut. Okay, that's just the hand. It's not my whole body. But I yeah. take care of it and make sure it's taken care of. And in taking care of it, I'm really taking care of my whole body. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think of that as the way to, and, and what really helps them. Okay. Whatever that is. And that starts with me with opening my heart to what can I do about their situation, whatever that is, you know, and it can go on and on from there, you know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, yeah. Well, so to bring it back to the, the book, the, yeah, the thing you yeah, from the book, you know, the, you know, like Buddha's revelation about, you know, poverty being the root cause. I, I don't, I think it on some level, it makes sense to say it's a root cause. I don't know how many root causes there can be. Is there only one root? I don't know how many roots there are. I don't, you know, it's, it's a question I'm thoroughly not qualified to really answer, but this, is this guy's interpretation of that too. You know, this yeah. is not, you know, this is one of his interpretations of what Buddha said. So who knows what Buddha really said? So, he, he, this is not in the Buddha Bible. No, well, I haven't <laughs> found the Buddha Bible yet. I need to find that. Yeah. Of course, we know that just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's true either. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, it's interesting though, and it, you know, putting all this through the filter of our experience, you know, and how can we? Uh, for me, the application is uh, the change starts within. I got to turn the light around. Yeah. You're gonna go with a Dow quote. Turn the light around. We're gonna we were gonna talk about the fifty seventh chapter. We'll hit it next week. It's got yeah. some good stuff, but uh, we only have a handful left. I uh, just a few. Uh, I emailed Marshall Davis about coming and uh, meeting with us. I haven't heard back from him, so I don't know if I will. Well, if even I if, do, you... if I do, we'll get him on. Uh, like to talk about non duality and yeah. He did a he did a translation of the Tao Te Ching too. I ordered a copy. Yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna pick one up. I've that that podcast has been been really really interesting for me. Yeah, the Tao of Christ. That's one of the few I've gone back and binge listened to all of them. There are only most of them are only ten or fifteen minutes, so it doesn't take long. That well, which is a big plus because that's about as much time as I ever have at one you know at once yeah. anymore. Yeah. So, uh, but that's a huge that's that's a really a good podcast. I'd like to hear his. One of the podcasts he talked almost gives like a testimony of his how he went from traditional Southern Baptist fundamental Christianity to non-duality, non-dual awareness, so like total shift in thinking. Mm-hmm. And it was it was good to hear his uh, how that happened for him. Yeah, I'll go back and listen to all of them for sure. I, and the, the way I intended to listen to him was to go back to the beginning and just start at the first one and work I did. my way through. I did but that. The last, uh, the last, I don't know, three or four episodes have been like when they pop up, I'm like, Oh, got to listen to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's and good stuff. I, I've gotten a lot from him. I'd like to get to know him a little better if he's interested. So, uh, I'm hoping he, I'm hoping we hear from him. You going to make it tomorrow? Uh, Oh, the, the regular doubt. Yeah. We'll I'm going to try to. I've been trying, I tried to catch up. I listened, I re-listened to the uh, episode with Sensei and I listened to y'all's episode on the the pivot. That was really good. Hey, it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, we go into those without a lot of, st- well, like this. I planned on us talking about the 57th chapter of the Tao Te Ching, not all this other stuff. We just got to talking. Yeah. And I think that when we leave it open, we leave room for, you know, for God to do something. 
I think that's what happens. We did three in the morning last week. That's right. That was good. We'll be talking about cutting up an ox. Yeah. That's the story. So Love to cut up an ox. Cut up an ox. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. So. All right, my friend. If, that's, if you're good, I'm good. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.